Hello and welcome. Today's bonus content is the audio of our Ask the Once and Future Nerd live stream that we did a couple weeks ago on YouTube. The video is still up if you want to watch it, but the audio you're about to hear has been cleaned up and lightly edited. It was a fun conversation as always, and I hope you're able to join us live for the next one. But before we get into it, I want to tell you about Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is a browser extension that lets you raise money for charity while doing your normal or abnormal thing online. Whenever you open a new tab, which if you're like me is about a bazillion times per day, you'll see a beautiful photo and a small ad. And then part of the money raised by that ad goes towards a charity of your choice. You can join our Tab for a Cause team by signing up at tabforacause.org slash T-O-A-F-N. That's tabforacause.org slash T-O-A-F-N. Also, I want to thank our patrons on Patreon who make this show possible. You can sign up at patreon.com slash onceinfuturenerd for lots of cool rewards, including getting your questions prioritized for our future Q&A episodes. Um, we said this during the stream as well, but we're planning on one more bonus episode at some point in November. Then we're going to take December off for the holidays, and then we'll be back on the last Sunday of January with the premiere of Book 2, Chapter 9. With all that being said, on to the episode. Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the Ask the Once and Future Nerd for... Book two, chapter eight already, A Change of Scenery. Um, I'm Zach, joined as always by Christian. Hey, everybody. Hey, Christian. Hello. So welcome, welcome everyone. Um, we're discussing A Change of Scenery, which is book two, chapter eight. I'm going to give my usual announcement, which is if this is your first time listening to The Once and Future Nerd, welcome. We're very happy to have you. This is going to be the most spoilery of spoilery episodes, so I would recommend starting uh, perhaps somewhere else. Um, I'll also say a quick hello to our fans joining us on the live stream on YouTube. We do these Q&A episodes live on YouTube at the end of each chapter. Um, if you're listening on the podcast feed, it's too late to join this one, but you can join us for the, the next one, for the next chapter. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Christian, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to talk about this chapter. This was a pretty cool chapter. Um, would you like to get right into it? Yeah, let's do it. So this chapter, um, it starts with sort of the resolution of the the deal that Regan had made with Red Wren the pirate and drops off the party and then sees the party transporting towards the west. So uh, a change of scenery is an aptly named title. Um, and much of the interest in this chapter is what's happening sort of on that on that transit across the the mountains from both our main party as well as, and perhaps even more so from our secondary party containing uh, McGuire and Traft and uh, Arden the Annihilator. And the most exciting part of this chapter, as is evidenced by the artwork that those on the YouTube can see on the stream right now by our excellent artist, John Flanagan, is the introduction of the dragon. Christian, what do you want to say about the dragon? Oh, we, so I think we've been asked about dragons since we hinted that dragons exist in like book one, chapter one. Um, and we just needed to kind of find the right, uh, right time to introduce a dragon. So we obviously, you know, this was set up a little bit in the last chapter. We knew that, um, or was it, I can't, I think at some point 
episode one was in a, I don't know. Anyway, um, we've, we planned to have this dragon for a while and this felt like the, um, the right time to, to, to bring it to, to finally introduce them. And I think they're um, a really, really cool, um, interesting character that, um, we had a lot of fun writing. Yeah. You say we've had this in mind for a long time. If I'm not mistaken, the very first day you and I sat down over those those wings to start sketching out maps, I think we were already planning out what what the dragons would be like. Yeah. So so this has been um, a long time in the making, and I'm excited that we're finally here. I was excited we got to do a lot of sort of going back to the the lore and the world building, which is always my favorite part when we were uh, crafting what their their personality would be like. Their uh, traits what they're interested in so i thought that was a pretty cool experience um and i think it it's a a pretty neat thing we get to experience that the sort of the the way that the dragons sort of interact with time is very different from the ways that humans interact with time and even mcguire who is ageless in a way as a a undead uh re reliving being still cannot experience time even remotely the same way as the dragon which i think personally i think is fascinating yeah i I think and having you know my my interest in in philosophy in the past like one of the questions that comes up a lot in in philosophy that i think is interesting is like um you know persons like you know some sort of sentient being um that has an inner life but but interacts with the world in a very very different way than we do and and what that being's inner life is like like there's a famous philosophy essay called what is it like to be a bat um that's that's about this um so i think it's kind of cool to have this um this creature that is like is a person um you know but has a very different um, material experience uh, of the world than humans do, or even than elves do. Yeah, it's it's been really. I I think we've had fun uh, crafting this this idea, and we spent you know some some really fun conversations, sort of arguing back and forth about well, you know, if the dragons see you know group culture in this way what does that mean about the fact you know this dragon is solitary how are they uh you know how are how is this dragon in particular understanding their solitude in the context of the time frame of a dragon and so forth so um i don't know if we want to go into some of this lore stuff now christian or if we want to hold it back for another time um we can we can do a little bit. I don't want to spend the whole the whole time just on on the one question, but yeah, let's let's get into it a bit. Sure. So so I think I think one of the things that we were discussing in the background scenes or behind the scenes, that's the word for it, is that these dragons are not by nature solitary creatures, but the time frame that we've all experienced in the story so far is a drop in the bucket to this dragon such that it doesn't think of itself as a solitary creature despite having been uh in this one cave isolated for you know many centuries by the context of the humans living there so i i found that super interesting that's that that may be me personally nerding out a little bit but i found that interesting 
And so, so in this, uh, in this chapter, we got to see the beginning of some, some negotiation, some discussion between Maguire, who already experiences time differently from the, the living humans, along with the dragon, who's on the whole different time scale. And so I, I think that that set us up for some really exciting things moving forwards. Yeah, I think they're a, they're a fun, they're a fun duo. Um, you know, I think when there's these interactions that are kind of like a little bit discretionary in terms of like, are we going to delve into this interaction? Um, that when the, the personalities line up in a, in a way that is interesting to me, um, I, that's when I, I love to, to explore something. And I'm actually, um, I'm not saying everything I want to say because I've genuinely forgotten uh, which scenes are in which chapter because we're doing post on chapter nine right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they're a fun pair, and uh, I think you guys are gonna like um, what 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 keeps happening with with the dragon. Yeah, and and now I'm going to have to go double check after this recording. We might be cutting out a big chunk of this for the the audio of the podcast feed if I. <laughs> already spoiled too much accidentally. <laughs> um, this does lead us to a question off of our Discord channel. Um, we got a bunch of great questions off of our Discord. And if anyone would like to join the Discord, you can look on our website. There should be a link to join the fully fan-made, fan-run Discord. Uh, Christian and I pop in occasionally, but it's mostly awesome fan discussion. But Sen on the Discord asked, what is our favorite dragon myth or folklore? Christian, do you have any any inspirations for the dragon here? Any of your favorite stories? Yeah, so something that I was like, I I, I wanted the dragon to be somewhat grounded, at like um, like they like the magic is in how long they can live, but the their actual biological processes kind of make sense um, science wise. So kind of in my head, and there's a question on uh, YouTube chat right now about whether the dragon is is feathered um and uh yes uh, dragons are feathered in our uh in in our universe because i think my idea was like um there was not a cataclysm that extincted dinosaurs um in in jordan and so this is just like this very very old reptile had a chance to like keep getting bigger and develop intelligence um uh hence the the feathers um so that's something that interests me that kind of concept of of dragons and the other thing that i think is really cool um is i read somewhere that like for a while um we didn't know how spiders were able to eat other bugs because their their fangs are made of chitin and bugs are made of chitin so like how do the fangs like how do they eat through chitin with their fangs and it turns out that um spiders kind of absorb the very trace amounts of metals that are just like present in in the world and those kind of end up getting funneled by some process i don't understand into the end of their fangs and that's how they're able to puncture um Titan, and I think I don't know whether I honestly I don't know whether I thought of this or I saw a Tumblr post a million years ago that that stuck with me. But 
um, an idea of like, you know, it's it's usually part of European dragon lore that they hoard treasure. Um, and so the idea that it's like, oh, no, no, they actually have to eat a lot of metal um, in order. To, and it like goes to like their armor plating and to their their teeth. And that's an important part of why they're they're as strong as they are. Yeah. I just want to throw in quickly, I apologize to the live chat. I had the wrong tab open, so now I can see the live chat as well. And shout out to the live chat. I'm happy to see all of you here. Um, so so the chat is is discussing what you were mentioning about uh, the lack of the extinction of what we would think of as dinosaurs and how that influences the world building. And that's exactly what we were excited about. So we're, we're happy you're, you all are excited engaging with that idea as well. Um, and it's sort of the... As, as we've seen in our world, which I think is sort of an interesting twist, the, there's not dinosaurs roaming around everywhere. We have gone through all those, you know, the stages of evolutions and different species rising and falling. But the dragons did go through that evolution and become a whole species, you know, obviously very intelligent, very uh, intentional species, so to speak. And, and they're the ones who sort of remain from that era. Yeah. I think there's probably something to be said, um, partially to get us out of the problem that is being correctly identified on chat of like, how would intelligent primates have ever evolved if there were dinosaurs around? Um, I think there's something to be said for like some shit with the atmosphere where it's just very hard to support like really, really, really big, land animals and dragons have um some particular quirk that was like okay this is the species that like this is the version of big big reptiles that made it probably the because they have a, a structure they have a bunch of like air bladders that they use for the fire breathing so it's probably got something to do with that that's my story and i'm sticking to it i do think that it also the social aspects do play some part of it yeah because we by I think and Christian, you could tell me if I'm wrong. By the time the humans, as you know, evolved primates are around, there aren't so many of the large non-sentient dinosaur species left. Right. So it's almost more like you know this the sentient species of dragons sort of encounter an alien species, almost so to speak, that they on their timescale get to see evolve into where they are. Yeah. The chat is discussing. Uh, a dragon convergently evolved with a penguin. <laughs> this is a very funny image. I, I'm not sure if there are any penguin dragons in our world, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out eventually. Um, we also received a Discord question from Agonizer. Uh, apologies if I'm mispronouncing your name. Agonizer, um, maybe? Agonizer, that, that, sounds, that sounds right. Um, what is the power level of dragons versus mages? And I think that's a really interesting question. I don't know that... Well, I guess we haven't seen yet in the story whether the dragons are accessing magic in the same way that that Jen is, for example. Right. Um, we've, we've sort of set out that the... Um, as, as Christian was mentioning, there's a very like biological and chemical reaction to the you know, the flying aspect with those air bladders and the fire breathing aspect and the the consuming the metal and so forth. So it's not necessarily just a a raw magic. I think I think it will be interesting to explore and discover how, how that plays out. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that um, a dragon could probably, like, kick most asses that it wanted to, because aside from it's just, like, sheer biological strength and natural armor, they're, you know, as I understand them, they are at least as intelligent as humans, if not more, so there's no reason that they couldn't also do magic. That is true. They are... Uh, likely more more so intelligent than humans, I would say. Yeah, they, you don't you don't want to get on a dragon's bad side, I think. Yeah, I think I think we've we've very very thoroughly discussed the the dragon aspect of this chapter. Um, the chat is asking. I wonder if sapient mammals are to dragons what finches are to humans, whether it's just like, ooh, watch that go. Yeah. And I would say this is this is starting to get to slightly on the spoilery territories, uh-huh, uh-huh, but uh-huh. this is this is a question that we will start to dis- yeah. discuss, and I'm very excited to discuss it. Yeah. Um, but that is that is an excellent question. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um otherwise in this chapter, um, one of the things that I'm excited for is we're starting to, I don't think this is too much of a, a spoiler, but the main party is moving west of the mountains as well. Uh, we get what I think is a very uh, funny moment where the uh, Nelson references the Mines of Moria and we're sort of all prepped for all this you know, bad stuff to happen in the trip. And they just get there. This is one of one of the the subtle humors that I really enjoy. They almost and they is this that chapter? Yes, they yeah. yeah they almost have an exact Minds of Moria moment where Billy knocks a suit of armor down the down the the well, um, and the only reason that they're not totally screwed is because the dragon he happens to awaken is a busy and b uh, doesn't eat sentient creatures anymore yeah so so i don't know if that was as uh obvious as intended in in the the episode but the way we envisioned this these were happening like simultaneously and like less than a mile apart from each other our party like barely by the skin of their teeth missed mcguire and and the dragons uh uh, interactions going on there. There was, I think, there was one moment in this one where, just like Minds of Moria, Billy knocks over some some coat of arms and it clatters down. But then, all's well, which I think is hilarious. Um, the YouTube chat just to to follow up. Um, they are mentioning that beavers incorporate iron into their teeth, which is pretty awesome. Um, they're also discussing a, another episode of this chapter, which was Renault and Jethro meeting up, which I think is also quite fun in a very creepy and <laughs> ick-inducing way. Yeah. Um, I, I both both Jethro and Renault are very interesting to me as I'm the the lore and magic nerd, and that gives us a chance to really play around with what the magic allows. So I'm I'm very excited about that and. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Yep. Um, so, so the chapter, as we were discussing, there's this um, convergence where we've got the main party just passing by uh, Maguire under the mountains. And then at the same time, we're all moving physically closer to uh, the town of Three Bridges where First Snow is hanging out. And 
we did see some some movement in this chapter where First Snow addressed the, the Federation Council. It didn't quite go her way. Um, Christian, do you have anything you want to mention about that? Um, no, I mean, I think it's, you know, I, like, I don't want to get too spoilery, but I think it's, like, pretty clear the chess pieces we're, um, we're moving into, into place. And um, I... I really love First Snow and Steady River as characters, um, and, and both great performers, um, April and Aaron, who are uh, criminally underused um, up until now, and so I'm uh, very excited for getting to spend some more time with them in future chapters. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. Uh, Chad agrees. Chad is very happy with First Snow and is excited for the Convergence. I'm excited for the Convergence also. It's been... Uh, the way the way that the pacing of our show goes, it always feels like everything takes a little while to get there. But in in real like in showtime, not that much time has passed. It's just right. you know in the audio medium, it takes a while to uh, to in- include this. Yeah, all. and particularly our production cycle. But this comes up this comes up literally every uh, Q and A. I feel like of like yeah, it's been like a month and a half in plot time which makes the show now a period piece because it started in like 2012 (laughs) chad is also bringing up in particular the interactions between nelson and first Mm -hmm. snow Mm -hmm. and i honestly haven't even thought about that yet but that is going to be a lot of fun Mm -hmm. i think their their character interactions will be very interesting yeah um which i think brings us kind of naturally to the the next a set of questions we received on the Discord from Sen and from Pika Blue, which was about the the new outro music, which is also something we've been sort of sitting on and working on for a while, and we're very excited about. So, uh, Christian, do you want to talk for a bit about this? Yeah, yeah, uh, of course I do. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we knew we were, uh, you know, we knew we were headed to quote unquote the West um, for a while. Um, and I, I am a sucker for, um, spaghetti Westerns. Um, if you don't know what a spaghetti Western was, it was, um, Westerns, they were made, they mostly made in like the sixties. Um, they were made, uh, in Italy and Spain by Italian filmmakers, uh, which is part of why they're called spaghetti Westerns. Um, and also because for their time they were incredibly bloody, but also, um, very cheap. And so it's kind of a joke that like the blood looks like spaghetti sauce cause it does. Um, but, uh, these were kind of the first movies that I saw that was like, Oh, this has a really distinct visual style that I am, I am in love with. Um, and my favorite film composer of all time, is Ennio Morricone, um, who I think he only he passed away a couple years ago, um, and he's one of those composers who you know his work even if you don't know his work, um, because among a huge body of, of work, he did compose the score for um, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which if you've ever heard the... <laughs> that, that, that's, he wrote that. Um, so, uh, and I... And he has a huge body work. It mostly was, he's mostly famous for spaghetti westerns, but he's done like, he did The Untouchables, he did The Thing, um, a lot of stuff. Um, And I was always kind of in awe of, he just has these, 
he makes these arranging choices that have no right to work nearly as well as they do. For example, um, he is, as far as I know, he was the first one to kind of use um, like a, a twangy electric guitar in a Western score, like that, you know, classic Telecaster sound, um, which doesn't make sense when you, like, why would you have an electric instrument in a film set before electricity? Um, but like now when you hear that sound, it, it sounds like a Western because he, his work is so ubiquitous. Um, and so I love just the, 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 the textures and the, the arrangement choices, um, of, of his scores. So when we way, way back when we knew that we were going to head in this direction, I said, you know, I think it would be cool to do a Western version of our, of our theme song. Um, so I went to Tom Lee, um, who is our, our like main music director and composed our main theme and said, Hey, this is, this is what I have in mind. I sent him a, a playlist of Ennio Morricone. It's like, do you want to rearrange, um, the, our main theme in this style? Um, and not only did he rearrange it, but he, um, he basically recorded the whole thing, uh, almost entirely. Um, he sent it kind of as a demo, but it was a demo with, with all the stems um, of, of every instrument. And there were, it was a combination of like every instrument that he could play, uh, he played. So all the guitars are him. I think the, the, the whistling and the, the, the bamboo flute um, are him actually playing. Uh, the rest are MIDI. Um, and then um, we were feeling like the, the MIDI trumpet was a little too uh, perfect and computer sounding. Um, so uh, our very own Zach Glass uh, went and recorded an actual trumpet part, um, which I think makes the whole thing sound a lot more human and is, is great. And it's actually in the final mix, you're hearing um, Zach's real trumpet layered with the MIDI trumpet because the the humanness of Zach's track was better, but the the MIDI trumpet added a, a lot of brightness that really cut through the mix. Um, so then I took all of Tom's stems, I took uh, Zach's trumpet part, and I did like kind of my own um, mix uh, of it. I threw in some effects to make it sound like a crappy '60s movie soundtrack um and uh yeah i think i think it's really rad and uh i'm excited to to get to use it uh some more um i um let's see uh i don't know should i play the should i play the choral stem or should we talk about something else first yeah let's let's set it up for a second just so so we have the 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 context i also want to say as far as i know i think my trumpet playing in that outro is my first appearance in a main plot episode. I think that is right. You also played trumpet on the studio version of Singing Sister, so we may have... I don't think that made it into the main plot. I think that was just the studio version. Yeah, we may have used it as background at some point, but I'm not sure. Oh, you that may be true. Um, but yeah, so... so um, Every everything you said, Tom. Tom is incredibly talented. Um, I just wanted to mention what you said about the the electric guitar in a western. I'm not as connected to film as you are, but my mom watched a lot of TV westerns when I was younger, and I always think of that guitar. That's just the the sound that I expect to hear, and it like it never occurred to me that that's weird. But right, exactly, exactly. It's like it is weird, but it's not because you're so used to it. Yeah. So so. 
as Christian mentioned, Tom recorded all of these parts on his own, layered them all. Well, Christian did the layering, but uh, one of the things that Tom recorded was a choral part that's all himself recorded and dubbed over itself and it just sounds so fun on its own so if the the tech works right christian would you like to yeah i'm, I'm gonna play that and i'll give even a little more back like this was such a great uh uh insight by tom to pick up in any Morricone's scores because he would use vocals but not in a normal way like there's a part in the good the bad and the ugly theme where it's clearly a guy yelling, trying to sound like a coyote. Like, it doesn't sound like a coyote. It sounds like a guy yelling like a coyote. <laughs> um, and reportedly, like, when Ennio Morricone would do concerts, there would be a guy who's just, like, sitting there with all, like, the violin players and the bells players, you know, sitting there in his tuxedo, no instrument. And when the time came, he would just stand up and go, ah! <laughs> um... Which I love. Um, and so Tom is like, oh, let me just really use vocals in kind of avant-garde ways. So I mean, here's, this is Tom recording uh, four-part harmony and layering each of the parts three times and then smushed together. I just think that rules. That chord at the end is so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will. I will also say. Um, I was very excited to get to play trumpet on this. I haven't seriously played trumpet in many years, so I was uh, sitting downstairs in my basement, looping this, you know, thirty-second bit of trumpet for hours and hours uh-huh. and hours. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I also got a. I mean, it was also in my basement, which contributed to some of the, the the sound not being as bright as we were hoping, and I apologize for that. But I think I recorded something like a hundred takes through it and sent oh Christian God. a few of them. <laughs> and actually, Christian, did you? I don't even know this. Did you pick the one take that I sent you, or did you layer a couple of me over it? I think I comped together maybe two or three. To, I think like. I think maybe I liked the intro better from one take and the outro better from another take, so I think I just spliced those together, if I remember. Yeah, that, that's kind of what it sounded like to me. Uh, Chad is talking about how the, the ha and the ho from that track sounded like Skyrim vibes. Yeah. And yeah I could see that. Yeah. But when you hear oh. it, I mean, when you hear it with the mix and there's also, like, a, a whip in there, it's just... It's not super loud in the mix, but it's there with the whip, which I also love. And something else I want to call attention to here. There's a... Right there, I it, that was I really wanted to preserve that from Tom's demo when I remixed it, but there's this, like... I don't even know how to describe it. There's this, like spike in the higher frequencies when he hits the acoustic guitar chords really hard which to my ear is reminiscent of either like spurs jingling or a revolver loading and i think that's like i mean it's perfect for a western and it wasn't like a sound effect it was just 
the instrument happened to sound that way, which I really, really love. Yeah. Um, one one thing I want to shout out also about this uh, theme music on the on the Discord, it was also pointed out that a podcast called The Amelia Project often does this sort of uh, style variations on their theme. I have to say, I personally have not listened to The Amelia Project. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, same. Um, so so in this case, this was not the our specific inspiration, but I do kind of love that they do that in in concept and. I had a lot of fun with us doing this. I don't know if I can say we're going to do many more of these. This just happened to fit so well with what was happening in the plot at the moment. Um, it did. It it was very it was very plot driven. Our decision to do this. Um, the the chat is asking if we have cowboys. Does gunpowder exist in the world? Uh, yeah, explicitly yes. There aren't firearms, um, but there is. Um... Uh, Regan has referred to it as thunder dust um, a, a few times, and I think the idea is like it's a very, very early um, gunpowder, like you know the earliest formulations um, of it. Uh, but no, no firearms because actually, like until you have like rifling and you know machining and replaceable parts and stuff, um, a a repeating crossbow is probably going to be more effective than an, like a really, really, really good advanced crossbow is probably going to be more effective than a very early firearm. Yeah. But I think Regan either had or bluffed having thunder dust in a very early episode, I believe. Yes. Yeah. It, it's an accessible thing. Like you, and like, I believe she uses it to like, you know, just blow stuff up. Um, which is also her kink that is uh, part of canon. Hey, Christian from the future here, jumping in to tell you about Clockworks Academy. Clockworks Academy offers online courses in all the nerdiest literature. There's no homework except reading, and there are flexible time requirements. Clockworks Academy is college-level insight without college-level cost. Our listeners can get 10% off any purchase with code FUTUREnerd, one word. That's clockworksacademy.com, code FUTUREnerd. So moving on from the theme song, which I, as much as I hate to move on from it, because both Christian and I had a ton of fun with yeah. it. Um, one thing that I forgot to bring up from the episode, which we have to touch on, and thank you to the live chat for reminding me of this, is in this chapter, we do see Ardell Redmore get captured by pirates. <laughs> yes. Which is just a, a very, very happy cathartic moment, I think. Yeah. Um. I think that uh, we we set it up um, as, as a reminder for those listening that uh, Ardell ended up uh, trying to stow away on the boat of the same captain who our party had just recently stowed away from and ended up getting caught by Ren in exactly the same way that our party had gotten caught by. And as very funny to me. Yeah. I really enjoyed I that. Do, I do feel for Otto Olafson. This one was yeah. really not his fault. I also I was I was uh, scrolling back through the the script and I believe this chapter was where we had Ardell trying to barter with someone with a donkey. Yes. And and he was 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 trying to to barter with that ass, which was a very <laughs> cheap a joke that we wrote. Stupid joke. 
Sometimes you write something and it's like, oh my god, I'm better than this, but no, I'm not. <laughs> there's one, oh, I'm not, okay, there's one in nine. Boy, oh boy, it is so thoroughly in the category of I'm better than this, wait, no, I'm not. <laughs> do you want to no. spoil it or no. wait for it? It's, it's worth waiting. It, it is it is worth waiting, but I, I did just want to mention um, it is. Unfortunately, we do see Renault and Jethro sort of melding their powers and sort of rising up in power. But we balance that out with a, a healthy dose, healthy dose of comeuppance to Ardell, which I'm very happy about. I believe there was something else in the chat that I wanted to call out. I'm just scrolling back for a moment. Um, they were discussing uh, Billy and Jen's magic development, as well as Nelson finally getting to delve into his dreams. I'm also excited for Nelson to delve into his dreams. This is, uh, you know, something that that we've been sort of building toward very slowly as well, and I'm very excited about that. Um, is there anything else that Christian you can think of that we were intending to discuss? Uh, no, I'm getting absolutely roasted within an inch of my life on, on chat, um, which is fine. Um, uh, was that our, was that our list of, of questions? That, um, let me double check. There was one, uh, fun and a little silly question, uh, about how many elves does it take to change a light bulb? (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't even know if it's, it's worth diving deep into that. But, but how many elves does it take to change a light bulb? I think we should aspire to have a good punchline for that by the next ask uh, episode. Fair. I think that's, that should be the goal. There is that, uh, there is that bit, I think it's the beginning of Seven, where Jen is trying to like hold Regan's attention, and she's just she starts a joke, and she's just like, yeah, I don't know why I thought I was just going to come up with a punchline on the spot. Uh, the, the chat is pointing out something that, Christian, I don't know if you actively thought about, but I had forgotten about, that the Ardell is now captured by the same pirates for whom Arlene had improvised that Maddie Grove song. That, is, that was explicitly on my mind. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that was on your mind. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is exciting to see. Um, chat is talking about how they hope terrible terrible things happen to ardell and don't worry we do too yeah (laughs) in our world the the bad folks don't always get their comeuppance but this was one time where we knew that ardell needed to get his comeuppance but good and we as the listeners need to experience that comeuppance in the most thorough way possible yes um so I believe that's it for the questions we had prepared. If the live chat has anything else they want to be asking or discussing, uh, please feel free to chime in and we will uh, extemporize on the moment. Um, while, while you're thinking of questions, there is one thing that Christian wanted to bring up briefly <laughs> going into chapter nine. Yeah, so it, it, as- it could turn into a bit of an ele- elephant in the room if I don't. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not so much of a spoiler to say that we're going into this kind of like Western uh, arc, um, and you know, for I think a lot of you probably also listened to the Adventure Zone. They just finished up a Western arc. Um, that alone would be fine, except that um, 
in that Taz arc, um, Erika Ishii played a tavern owner named Lulu, which was short for Louise. Um, and it just so happens that you're also going to meet in our show a tavern owner named Lulu, which is short for Louise. Um, it's, it's, I mean, we, this is one of the downsides of our production <laughs> cycle. Take, like, we, we had the script long before. Uh, Taz came out. We love Taz, but this wasn't us trying to rip them off. Uh, it's just for whatever reason, me and Erica Ishii both think that Lulu is just a, a tavern owner name. Um, and yeah, you know, if I were going to, if I were going to write a character that were explicitly inspired by somebody else, I would be um, a little more subtle about it. Like, for instance, if I were going to write a character based on. Um, you know, the 60s character actor Lee Van Cleef. I wouldn't call him Lee Van Cleef. I would call him, say, Wes Vanderberg or something. <laughs> Who would do something like right. that? Or or perhaps uh, a character inspired by Bruce Springsteen <laughs> who becomes Bryce Riverfell instead. Yeah. So yeah. just a slight degree of abstraction. Right, exactly. But yeah, this was an incredible coincidence truly just a coincidence we swear that so that that is something that you all will hear and just wanted to mention that uh straight up off the bat yeah dude oh i guess there was the question about like hiatus what like do we want to get into programming stuff a little bit is that worth it? oh yes we should we should mention that um it was asked uh whether we're approaching the end of book two and what that potentially means in terms of a subsequent hiatus. So I will say right now, chapter nine, which is upcoming, is not the last chapter of book two. Um, At the moment, these things may change as we write it, but chapter 10 is intended to be the the conclusion to book two, uh, just as book one had 10 chapters, I believe. Uh, Book two is going to end up with 10 chapters. Chapter 10 is likely going to be a longer one. Yeah. There was some thought of having it being as many as six or seven, but I don't want to commit to that. Yeah. It is certainly going to be five. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. Uh, it could be six. So uh, if you're worried about a major hiatus, you've got chapters nine and 10 before that comes up. Yeah. And I think, so, as of when you're hearing this, um, if, you're, if you're watching live on, on YouTube, um, this coming Sunday, we have two minisodes coming out. Um, then the, the cleaned up audio from this will go up two weeks later. Um, and then I think we're going to try to have a little more bonus content in November then we're gonna probably take december off for the holidays um and then we'll hit the ground running in january with uh book two chapter nine uh which is a five-parter um so uh we have content through to next to may 2023 already done and while we don't want to Overpromise anything yet the intention is to keep chapter 10 ready to go shortly thereafter yeah likely the similar sort of thing we'll have you know a month of ask episodes uh 
perhaps some minisodes or more bonus content in between, but we're not, you know, knock on wood, not expecting a long break between 9 and 10. After 10, I think that gets to be a little too far into the future for us to, to make some tremendous promises at the moment. I think it's likely that we'll have some sort of main plot break, whether that's just a full hiatus, if it's filled by minisodes, if anything else happens in between interviews or whatnot, we will see at that time. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's, that'll be end of 2023, which will also bring us to our 10-year anniversary of making the show. Yeah. Uh, end of 2023, possibly even into 2024, yeah. which who can even yeah. conceive of the world existing at that <laughs> yeah. point? Yeah. So, um, so, so uh, we can promise you we're good through the end of book two. Uh, after that, we'll see what happens. Um, Chad has asked if we're still planning on five books. I believe <laughs> I just started our, sweating. <laughs> I believe we initially said four, if I'm not mistaken. And whether we're still committed to that, we'll see how yeah. how the plot goes in book three. We have, as as we mentioned before, very rough broad strokes plans for where the plot will go. But in terms of how long it takes to get there, we leave that until we actually start writing that. So, for example, just to, to uh, reveal a little bit more of the background, we intended for book two to be six to seven uh, chapters. And we got to writing chapter six and realized we can't wrap this all up. We'll sort of transition in six and wrap it up in seven. And we got to seven and we said, okay, this is not going to happen. Let's make it eight or nine. Yeah. And then that quickly became 10. So how many uh, books it takes to reach a, a satisfying conclusion to the story, we'll see. I don't think we'll be satisfied with the story ending at the end of book two. I can say that fairly confidently, yeah. but... We'll see where the where the where the plot takes us. Basically, is that a fair answer, Christian? Yeah, I think so. And I will say uh, one of the things that I I feel like many people, us included, learned during the few years of very dramatic uh, isolation during the worst of the COVID times is the importance of preparing the show in a way that is. Uh, compatible with our respective mental healths um and that you know we need to you know part of as as you all likely know we've now switched to this one one a month uh system instead of our previous two or perhaps even three a month and uh so far this has gotten us through uh this year uh this has actually been the most consistent run of episodes i believe we've ever had yeah it, it feels very slow, but it has allowed us to make things more consistently. And I say this to say we now see the importance of, you know, if we reach the end of book two and we need to take a hiatus in order to make book three the best it can be, we're now less afraid of doing so. So, so again, uh, there may be a hiatus coming forward, but it will be in the interest of making things sustainable yeah. long term. Um. I will say, though, um, just to to mention this, it seems as though just some speaking anecdotally with some folks, when we returned at the beginning of this year, some folks' podcast feeds might not have picked us back up. So if you happen to know anyone who 
is no longer getting the updates, uh, either let us know or just let them know that we're back. Uh, I don't know if it's an algorithm thing or something that burned us, but yeah. Uh, we're also trying to figure out why all of our episodes are out of order on Spotify, but um, we're like a couple degrees removed from that, so our power there is limited, unfortunately. But we are working on that, and if anyone has any uh, thoughts, please feel free to reach out on that. Um, I will, I will, uh, the chat has circled back around, um, A, the chat noticed my cat walking through the background. I, I would have grabbed one of them, but they seem to both be asleep now. I don't want to bother them, but we did have a, a brief cat cam. And, um, and now we're on to what dragons taste like, which is probably a good cue to wrap up. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're. It's an interesting question, but yeah, I think I think maybe maybe that's a that's a good point to to wrap up on. They had also asked briefly about whether the science of our magic system allows for the creation of magical atom bombs, which also might be a a, a little depressing way to yeah. end the stream at the moment. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, with that, let's not go too deep into to consuming the, the sentient dragon species yeah. flesh. But uh, Christian, would you like to do any any shout outs yeah. before we wrap up? I've actually, I weirdly, I've got like a bunch this this time. Um, so let me try to all right, keep them all in mind. So um, Ian, our narrator, um, his production company is producing an audio drama anthology series um, that's going to be dropping soon. Um, and they've just started a Patreon. Um, so if you search for uh, Via Brooklyn um, on Patreon, you'll find their, their Patreon page. And that the Via Brooklyn is the name of the company. And um, the, the audio drama anthology is called The Iron Anthology. Um, uh, Kat, yes, shout out to the Creaky Door for saving Yildick's life. I also, uh, I, I feel very strongly about that. Um, let's see, what else we got? Uh, Shannon Harris. Um, this was actually, uh, if you saw on social media, this chapter eight is going to turn out to have been Shannon's last chapter um, oh. with us. Um, you know, the scheduling doesn't work for her anymore, uh, but uh, she's such a wonderful performer and um, we wish her the best. And she is, if you're in the New York area, um, she is starring, or not starring, she's one of a, a major role in a show called Her Portmanteau, which is uh, showing at uh, the George Street Playhouse. Um, and that is running through October 30th. Um, so that's cool. Um, shout out to, uh, Regina Renee Russell, um, who uh, plays Nia, um, and the dragon. Um, she just directed her own version of the, uh, old Scottish changeling murder ballad, Tam Lynn. Um, that is unfortunately done now as of the time you're hearing this, so you can't see it, but, uh, shout out and congrats to Regina on that. 
And lastly, I want to shout out um, the user Sasmo on Reddit. Um, I will confess that I often search on Reddit just to see if we're if our show is coming up in conversations or how our SEO is doing. Um, and when we're talked about, we usually come up on the subreddits you would expect, you know, r slash podcast, r slash audio drama, r slash fantasy. Uh, but Sasmo did go ahead and recommend us as something to listen to on a long drive uh, on the subreddit for the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. So if there are any union electricians um, hearing uh, my voice right now as a result of that, uh, shout out to them. And that is somehow all I've got. <laughs> I do I do want to quickly, because you've reminded me, uh, also shout out Shannon. Uh, Shannon has been tremendous. Uh, working with her has been uh, incredible treat. Uh, she contributed to our writers' rooms extensively. She's, uh, you know, she she gave a lot of her time and creativity to our show, and we're very grateful for sharing. Yeah, and to to put it to put it simply, there are some scenes that we absolutely would not have pulled off uh, if without uh, Shannon's very patient input. Sorry, I did just lose my my discord for the moment so i think that means it's a good a time as any to to wrap up i think so too so thank you thank you everyone for listening uh we really uh, appreciate as always all of your listenership all of your your questions your commenting we really appreciate the live chat this is always a lot of fun and thank you for listening and we'll talk to you for the next ask episode if not sooner for some special bonus content thanks everybody bye adios